All right, everyone. Welcome to View from the Mount. Uh, This is our new podcast from Lake Mount Church of Christ. And these are conversations that strive to understand real life issues uh, through a biblical lens. My name is Matt and I'm here with Jason. We're both ministers here at Lake Mount and we'll be the host of what should be many episodes of this new podcast. Our plan is to put out a new episode twice a month. So we encourage you to check that out. Yeah, and we'd love it if you would go ahead and take a second to subscribe to the podcast. We'll be uploading it to our own website at lakemountchurchofchrist.org, but we'll also be sending it out to Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and some others. So if you see a subscribe button there, wherever you're listening, please go ahead and click that. The basis for this whole podcast was conversations that Matt and I have had on many different occasions. Sometimes Matt would come in my office and sit down and and we'd just start talking about different subjects, whether it's a biblical issue, something relating to current events, and sometimes those conversations would just evolve into various different things. And, And we found those conversations were useful. They, of course, spurred us on and strengthened our thinking, but we also thought that their conversations that everyone else is having or at least conversations that everyone should be having. Mm -hmm. And we thought they were useful to share, but maybe not on a Sunday morning in a church service or during a Bible study. So we thought that maybe what we could do is just record some of our conversations. These will be very organic uh, and just share them and hopefully encourage you to think a little bit deeper, maybe differently, or to have those conversations yourself. This week, We want to begin our podcast with a a very sensitive topic. Unless you've been living under a rock, you realize that one of the hottest topics has been the issue of race and injustice. So that's what we want to talk about on our first episode is dealing with the issue of racism from a Christian perspective and how we might be able to help this along in the world today. And, And we want to kind of explain this tension that we felt Because it seems that everybody, Matt, has come up with a statement. Everybody's come out with some idea, uh, condemning some of the things that have happened, and, and that's good. And we've been, as a church, a little bit hesitant to put out an official statement. We individually have been reluctant to post much on social media about current events, not because we don't care, not because we don't have a a specific view about the issue, but because we feel this pull and this this danger of dealing with such a sensitive topic and finding the right forum to do that. So we realize the tension and we feel this might be a good venue to talk about the topic of race and injustice. Absolutely. And I think it's it's really important to talk about, you know, that the church has largely been silent about this issue and how we can break that silence in a way that's effective and, and empathetic and kind and loving. Uh, real quickly, first, maybe we should go over a couple of things that we're not going to talk about today. Um, you know, we don't want to talk about whether racism does or doesn't exist. I think everybody with two eyes and a brain can see that it exists in some form in the country, whether that's systemic or not, is not what we're here to decide today. Um, that's above my pay grade, sir. Certainly. Um, and, and we don't want to judge specific cases. Now, obviously, we've we've all seen the George Floyd case. Um, we've watched that video here and, and we're absolutely horrified by that. And, and I absolutely 
would be willing to say that the church as a whole stands on the, the idea that that was absolutely wrong and, and awful that that happened. But we don't want to go through a case-by-case basis and, and argue about the rights and wrongs of every case. What we want to do is talk about racism as a whole and how Christians ought to react to that and how can we effectively make a change for the good in that situation. So, you know, again, the church stands on the idea that racism in any form is wrong and, and that we should all find equality in Christ. And do you think the church has always gotten this right, Jason? I, I don't. While my instinct at first, as some of this stuff became conversation, it's not new conversation. This has been conversation since the church began. But I don't think the church has always got it right, although it's probably said the right things from time to time. I, I don't think there are many Christians, I haven't heard any, that are supporting racism or injustice. So people are saying the right thing. I think the question in any unbeliever's mind is, why is the church not getting it right in practice? So like we can even look back to the beginning of the church. And, and one of the first issues the church had in the first few years was this dilemma between Jewish Christians accepting Gentile Christians into the church. So, so they had that. And even if we look historically into uh, the 1800s, the church has been guilty of atrocities, has been uh, on side of wrong. And we want to be on the side of right with yeah. this, Matt. And, and so I, I believe that we should be able to say the gospel is the answer. Because it should be, but it hasn't always been, at least in practice, because people who believe the gospel have still mistreated people, have still abused people, and injustice has still taken place by Christians. So we don't ignore that. We don't deny that. uh, and, And we condemn that. Yeah, and I, I think it's important to remember, you know, the church is made up of individuals and, and those individuals are flawed. Sanctification is this sort of this lifelong process. And sometimes it takes time to get rid of these attitudes that we've grown up with. And and of course, there are Christian people out there, uh, who, people who profess Christ, who still kind of cling to some of these thoughts and, and they speak these things. And I'd encourage each one of us, you know, if, if you profess to be a Christian Work on these attitudes. Don't be afraid to admit this stuff. Do do some kind of a self-inventory and don't be so arrogant that you just assume that you've overcome all of this stuff. And part of the problem, Matt, is that if someone's an unbeliever, they lump all Christians together. Right. Anybody that has any semblance of naming themselves Christian. So there are some people that we would certainly want to create distance from because their views that an unbeliever is going to lump into the pot of Christians. So if somebody is acting in racism, if somebody is causing injustice, although they might check on a census bureau bracket that they are Christian, we would question the heart of that person. We would question probably the legitimacy of their conversion. And so I understand that becomes fuzzy as we try to do that. Yeah. But But we understand as well that uh, we're products of our time, whether we like it or not. Yeah. And, and you know, as Christians, we need to be very conscious of the idea that the world is going to judge the church by our individual attitudes. Absolutely. Uh, and that's in keeping with scripture. You know, numerous times it, it tells us to act in such a way that people find no reproach in us because it's going to reflect upon Christ. You know, we're, we're representing him to the world and our behaviors, if it's bad, are going to cause people to think badly of the church. And you know, I, I found myself over the past weeks seeing how Christian people uh, react to, to these situations on Facebook and kind of shaking my head and being frustrated yeah. and thinking, well, that's not how a Christian ought to behave. But it kind of came to us as we were talking that 
maybe a lot of Christian people don't know how they ought to behave in this situation. You know, it's not something we preach about right. every week. It, you know, these things evolve and happen, and there's not always a thus saith the Lord on everything. And so we're hoping that through these conversations, we can get a better position on this stuff right. and kind of direct people how ought a Christian to act. Absolutely. All, off the table, mm. uh, the issue of whether we should treat people uh, poorly based on differences in race that's off the table. Correct. We don't have a vote on that. No. God settled that. Uh, now, whether we live that, the question that we want to deal with today really is, well, for those of us that are bothered by it, uh, those of us that want to be a part of change, what can we do? How can we respond and how can we act? We, we certainly don't think in a podcast that we're going to solve and answer all the problems. And people have been saying all sorts of things. So perhaps nothing we say is uh, overly unique, mm-hmm. right? But, but we, we want to have this conversation, and what we want to do specifically here is Matt and I have come up with four different things. There's probably a bunch more mm-hmm. that you can do as a Christian, where you are, that every Christian can do to, to help with the problem. Uh, ways that we ought to respond in wake of all the conversation, all the conflict, all the tension that exists in the world today. I don't know about you, Matt. But I've never seen such heightened tension in the world that we live in. Oh, absolutely. You know, again, there's probably a hundred more points we could easily add to this uh, with, if time allowed. But we're hoping that you'll take this not as the end-all, be-all or the full, you know, position that you ought to take. Use it as a springboard. Have these conversations absolutely. with your coworkers, with your friends, with your family. Take this and run with it. And, and we should always be, you know, trying to find a better position on these things. Um, and that kind of leads us to our first point, Jason. Yeah, the, the first point I think applies to everybody is, is a biblical principle taken from the book of James, and it's be slow to speak and quick to listen. So, so Matt, how, how have you seen this applicable in today's world? I mean, it doesn't take, you know, a super amount of vigilance to see people are just spouting off without a moment's thought. I think a lot of these things, we just have a knee-jerk reaction And unfortunately, because everybody has a megaphone on social media, you know, those things that at one time you might have said to the three people standing around you, we're broadcasting those knee-jerk reactions to the world. And as Christians, we ought to be conscious enough that we take a moment. Absolutely. There are lots of people that I've followed on Facebook that I'm friends with on Facebook that I I really wish they wouldn't have posted what they posted because they have some association with us Mm -hmm. or with the church. And, And man, it might be wise just to be careful. We don't have to be first to speak. We want to be right when we speak. Yeah. Um, I think also, you know, you do have those people that are out there just kind of getting in social media brawls and and saying things that often we wish they wouldn't say, but that I think the vast majority of of Christian people aren't saying a word because they're Mm -hmm. sort of afraid to speak out. It seems like no matter which way you come out on this, you're a villain and people are going to attack you. I certainly have been guilty of this. I don't want to turn people away from the church you know, being, being an evangelist here. And I don't want people to not come here because they're like, oh, that guy said something on Facebook yeah. that, that I perceive as hateful. And so being slow to speak doesn't mean that we don't speak. Right. We need to say something. The question is, what should we be saying? And, as and, and we should err on the side of caution with that. Yeah. Because if there's any hint or thought with, with such a sensitive issue, and, and I know people can joke and play and post memes or other things like that that might have some type of cultural reference and intended humor. But 
this really is not an issue. This issue on race and injustice right now, probably ever, is is not the time to be crossing lines or right. walking lines. Yeah, because with an audience that big, I mean, no matter how many people take what you say in a lighthearted way, someone is going to be offended. And, and can we add, as leaders, as church leaders, the, the importance of us setting the tone mm-hmm. uh, with that? Because the truth is, we want to think that people follow character. Yeah. And they do, but the truth is, they follow clarity. Mm-hmm. And we have to give clarity on this, but we, we have to be careful with our tone, yeah. uh, not just what we say. And, and social media is a horrible place to try to gauge tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's also very dangerous to be cynical, uh, to be argumentative. Yeah. Uh, and, and frankly, a lot of times it takes time to assess the facts before we can speak clearly. It does. Too often, even, you know, myself in my life, I, I just start speaking about something because I think I know. You know, we, we often want to think we have, we got a beat on something. And it's it's only based on our own day-to-day experiences. You know, when it comes to things like racism, my knee-jerk reaction is to say, well, there's not a systemic thing going on, but it's not part of my everyday reality. You know, I, I, I'm not going to jump on the, the white privilege uh, bandwagon, you know, because I don't really think that's the issue. But also, I'm willing to admit, maybe it's an out-of-sight, out-of-mind thing. Right. And, and that's the second part of this, Matt, is, you know, be slow to speak, but quick to listen. Yeah. And, and we struggle because of our upbringing, yeah. and, and we just have to acknowledge this. And I think it's hard to admit this or acknowledge it. We live in this bubble where I do not know what it's like to be uh, a black person living in, as a minority right. or living in a world where they their perception is they have fear. So there's no question that that's how they feel. Yeah. And we need to listen to that. And. You know, I, I know I've heard people, Christian people, they want to bring out this parallel, you know, well, Christians are persecuted. But to be perfectly honest, in America, if you're walking down the street, nobody's going to lob a brick at you because you're a right. Christian. You know, like it's not for one thing, you can't just tell that by looking at a person. That's something that we have to demonstrate for people. And so it's not this thing that we wear around on our skin that has the potential to cause us difficulty. And don't you think that there's merit to uh, maybe our first instinct is to fight against some of the things that we've heard? Yeah. Uh, some of the reaction and response has not been appropriate, but it really is beneficial to listen to what people are saying, even if we might not necessarily come to the same conclusion. Yeah. I don't understand. You don't understand fully. But part of that's maybe because we haven't listened well. Yeah. And and even in the case of people who are clearly acting in an inappropriate way, you know, burning stores down, that kind of stuff. If you don't listen to where they're coming from, how can you ever hope to talk them out of it? We can't address the issue if we don't know what the issue is. And, and, and that's something I haven't done great at. My mom used to say something to the effect, you know, the Lord gave you one mouth and two ears for a reason. Mm-hmm. And and that advice in James is good, not just for this, it's on all occasion. Be slower to speak and be quick to listen. And I think that uh, we're divided sometimes because we are quick to speak yeah. and slow to listen. And, and I would encourage people in that vein, have these conversations in person with people that you have a relationship with. You know, we can do probably the most good in our own little sphere with people that we know that we have an influence over. You're not going to convince a million strangers on Facebook because you posted a meme or you made some, you know, bold statement. 
And the other thing that, you know, when you're in person, you've got that tone of voice, you've got that eye contact, you can demonstrate, you know, I care about you. And when we say be quick to listen, really listen to people because they they can tell if you're just waiting for your turn to speak. If you're really willing to listen to them, they will be much more willing to listen to you. Um, so I think that we really need to, to bear that in mind. There is a, a proper forum for these conversations. I think social media is ill-suited. Um, I agree. I this. agree with that. And and again, I don't know, you know what perspective we can gain that's different, but certainly we can find people with a different perspective and hear them out. Yeah. I think that's valuable to us. I think that's valuable to us as human beings to learn where people are coming from. And uh, that means that we find people from a different background and a different walk of life. Yeah. And we hear where they're coming from. Doesn't mean we have to agree. Right. Matt, on the other side, we can't be silent in the face of injustice. Absolutely not. No, we can't be. Uh, and Jesus wasn't silent in the face of injustice. You know, he spoke out. But but. The thing of it is that I think we're often tempted to get angry and rail against that injustice. Are we meeting the injustice with anger and 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 retribution, or are we meeting it with Christian love and, and trying to overcome that? Um, now, there's a thing, such a thing as righteous anger. There are things that make us angry. Right. Um, but if we just become another screaming indignant voice, we are not going to be heard, let alone effective. Right. How, what what we are doing and what we are saying as a church has to be different. Right. Everybody's had out. an opinion. Right. And everybody has voiced their opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are not well worded. Some of them have caused uh, conflict. And it seems like every day I've gone online and I've seen somebody, whether it's a famous person or not famous person, yeah. who had an opinion uh, on this. And, and so kind of to sum up this first point uh, is there is a place in a forum to speak. We ought to speak. Yeah. But we ought to be slow uh, and careful with how we say it. Where we say it, uh, and we also ought to be willing to listen and learn and grow uh, from that. Yeah, and I think that's going to lead right into the second thing we want to talk about, which is to empathize with people. If you're going to listen to them, if you're going to really allow yourself to stand in their shoes, um, it leads to this kind of empathy that allows you to see where they're coming from, and and that really helps us to take that next step, which is to take a look at ourselves. Have I been guilty of this stuff? Have I been guilty of racist thoughts and attitudes? I mean, I was certainly raised with that and it wasn't it wasn't a, an over the top overt thing which is what sort of makes it difficult it was just this background kind of thing it would come out every now and again um just this attitude that underpins certain things and, and you know i know that our our parents and grandparents were were you know growing up in a different time and that was much more prevalent but I, I can't sit here and tell you that that I've never had a thought like that spring up out of nowhere and 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 even even though I question it and I'm like man where did that come from you know that stuff's rattling around in our heads and, and don't you think that that is a part of this process is to be take this honest look at ourselves I, I've heard so many people make these uh, self-sanctifying statements yeah. you know like well I I, I don't see color mm-hmm. uh, well come on yeah uh, first of all, as Christians, we ought to view people differently, but I see color. Yeah. And and we all have prejudices. Now, my prejudice might not be what your prejudice is, right. but everybody has them. To deny they exist is not going to solve the problem. It doesn't justify or excuse mistreatment of somebody. We ought to do our best to you know, live out Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream to judge people based on the content of their character rather than the color of their skin. But that's hard because we have so many different things coming to the table with it. Well, it's human nature, you know, to, to kind of divide ourselves into us and them. And physical differences are the first 
and easiest way to identify that. It might not just be skin color. No, it, it, it's not always skin color. You know, I remember as a kid, you know, reading the Sneetches by Dr. Seuss and they divided into the ones with stars on their stomachs and the ones without. It was just this ridiculous situation. But we do that all the time. We, we tend to find safety and community and sometimes finding an outsider to band together against makes that easier to do. And it's just something that we really have to work hard to overcome in ourselves because people obviously are more than their appearance is. And, and every one of us was made in the image of God. Right. And we need to remember that. And, and so as we hear people talk, as we watch news or we hear some of the protests and the other things that are going on, it's hard right now for us to actually empathize with that mm-hmm. because we don't understand it. Yeah. Right. You and I don't understand it. But I, I do think that we can look at it and understand that, that these people have a legitimate feeling mm-hmm. and that should bother us. Yeah. If there's been anything we've contributed to or anything that we've tolerated or allowed to go on, then that has to be nipped. That has to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. And, and so we want to be a part of the solution. I think that just admitting and dealing with the fact that prejudice, stereotype, judging based on appearance has been a part of, it's a part of all of our lives. Yeah. And, and we want to correct that. We need to intentionally do that though. Mm-hmm. That doesn't accidentally happen. No. And you know, like you mentioned, people want to say, well, I'm colorblind. And obviously that's not true. I don't think it should be true. I think, I think it's, it's cool that people are different and that we have differences and we can appreciate those right. things. The problem comes when, when you start to get into better than, worse than, you know, based on that, I'm going to look down right. on you because because of your. And I don't think that that's something that most people consciously are doing. You um, you gave me uh, earlier when we were having a conversation. You gave me a uh, illustration about coming to a better position using a metaphor of wrestling. Oh, Would yeah. you share that? No, I just um, you know, I used to to try to watch UFC. I, I just have to watch the highlight reels because that's the exciting parts. Because most of the time. These guys just wind up, you know, in a pretzel on the floor. They're holding on to each other. They're not moving around a tremendous amount. And to me, who doesn't know much, that's boring. It looks like they're not doing anything. Um, but someone explained to me that, that you know, there's, there's something happening there. These guys are constantly struggling, making minute adjustments and shifts to their positioning, trying to gain that leverage and that advantage. And I think as Christians, we need to be doing that spiritually. We need to be constantly seeking better position on our doctrine, on our social attitudes, on on everything. We should be growing every single day. We should be challenging each other to do that. Um, So even if you think you've got a pretty good beat on it, you probably could come to a better understanding. We just have to keep pushing toward that and and trying to get that better position. So our instinct in many circles has been just to deny that this exists in any form, Yeah, which is ridiculous. It is. But at the same time, we do have to, I think we have to come to this realization that maybe this is a more prevalent problem than we thought mm-hmm. uh, in our society. One that we thought we was ancient, 100 years old, we've overcome that, and it's different. Maybe we just have to realize that this isn't an ancient problem, mm-hmm. that it still is a contemporary issue. And we are living in a world where we have to address and deal with it, and we have to come out on the side of right. Yeah, and I think if we're empathizing, it gives us it gives us some latitude to state the things that we don't agree with. You know, I think it's okay to come out and say, look, I don't agree with burning down local stores and, and wrecking cars and doing all these things, but 
I do have sympathy for these people who who legitimately feel like the system is out to get them and they're they're crushed by that and they're angry and frustrated. Two things can be true at once. You know, you can disagree right. with with the the mob mentality, violent things that are happening, but also feel for these people who obviously, you know, seem to think that that they're on the outside looking in and, and there's nothing that they can do about it. So, And that's something I hadn't heard a lot of. It, it seems like uh, you, you said that two things can be true at once. That has not been the attitude that I've seen uh, in many people. No, it's case. all or nothing a lot of times anymore. And if you disagree with one point, then you disagree. You know, if you, if you don't agree with setting up an autonomous zone, then you don't care about black lives. And that's, that's absurd. Obviously right. it's a, that's a logical fallacy. You, you can support, you know, equality and, and racial equality and, and feel for people and love them and, and not agree with the means that are being exercised and, by and, some people. Not all of, of the people who are protesting are doing this stuff. Right. To wrap up this point, I want to share one last thought, then we'll move to our third point. But whether or not you think systematic racism exists or not is not the point. Yeah. People feel that it exists mm-hmm. and that matters. Yeah. Uh, and it does. It, there's no doubt it exists on some level. Right on some level, uh, so I think rather than just saying it doesn't exist systematically, that's not the point. Yeah. The point is that people have this feeling that it exists. Therefore, perception with this matters, yeah. and it matter it should matter to us. Well, because our our mission hasn't changed as the church. We need to reach people for Christ and dismissing their feelings, and and that's not going to get us the the avenue that we need to talk to them about the gospel. And so we need to be empathetic. And we need to meet them where they are as the church. Absolutely. So, Matt, our third point in this, our first point was to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Mm -hmm. Our second point was that we can learn to empathize. Our our third thought is this, that it's so simple that we should just treat people kindly. Does that sound almost, as we came up with these ideas and you think about that, does that sound almost... uh, corny or cheesy to you? It doesn't, but I mean, I think the absurdity that we see around us sometimes, our first duty becomes to state the obvious sometimes. Yes, it sounds corny and cheesy maybe to say, be kind to people. It sounds like just this, you know, euphemism that people use. But the fact is that my knee-jerk reaction is not to be kind to people. My my knee-jerk reaction is to treat people the way they treat me, is to respond to anger with anger, respond to aggression with aggression. Yeah. Um, Especially when when we feel threatened or or like our families are threatened, you know, this has been an uncertain time for a lot of reasons and people are afraid and they feel like their security is threatened. They're worried about their families. They're worried about the future. And so it doesn't it doesn't take much right now to get somebody to just sort of go off and and become aggressive. And and what we need to remember is as Christians, we're called to repay evil with good. We're we're called to love people, not to treat them how they treat us, but how we would want to be treated. And and if we want to be a part of the solution, which we do, Mm. there's a lot of things that people can do. People have been protesting and I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. And there's a time and a place to do that, that can affect change. And you can, people can think that voting would have uh, an influence Mm -hmm. or volunteering or giving or serving. But, but the bottom line is that the change to any systematic problem is going to happen on one-on-one encounters Mm -hmm. with individuals or as we teach future generations how to treat people. That's where the real change has to occur. Yeah. And I think that's that's not any different than the mission of the church in general. You know, we're not going to convert the world from the pulpit. It's going to be individual people 
sharing the gospel with the people that are close to them and, and building those relationships. And I think this very naturally becomes a part of that conversation. I mean, if we're out there universally being kind and loving to people, I've been able to have conversations like this about this issue with, with people who are white or black or whatever, because I have a relationship with them. They right. know my character. They know that I'm not a racist person. They know I've always treated them respectfully. And that gives me some room to talk about this stuff without immediately causing offense. And I, I think if people know our character and we are kind and we are treating them the way Christ would want, want us to, we're going to be able to have a conversation that goes much deeper than this, this surface stuff. Yeah, and, and it sounds simple, but there is no place for any type of unkindness, even to those that are uh, different. Than us, there's no place for any any level of unkindness. Uh, we ought to serve people, yeah. love people, and treat people as we want to be treated. That's Christianity 101, but it works. Yeah, absolutely. And we find that there's other avenues, you know, besides protesting to to sort of try to help this situation. Um, we can be reaching out to people. We can be just having these conversations one on one, or even just just going out and doing the very best we can to be a Christian person in our everyday lives. Um, sometimes it's not always about seeking someone out and starting a conversation, you know, with them, sure. with the express purpose of let's talk about racism now. And a lot right. of this will change, you know, kind of mentioned how we raise our children yeah. uh, and what we're teaching in the church. I, I think this is an appropriate issue to teach and talk about in the church. Mm. We often make reference to the idea that Jesus broke down barriers, that the gospel sets people free, that we are one in, one in Christ, regardless of who we are, where we've been. We were all created. We, we preach that often. Mm -hmm. uh, but our kids watch us with that. Yeah. And they're going to do as we do. They see what we say and how we treat people. They observe that. And, and so this might be a thing that takes generations yeah. to really effectively deal with. And I think it's important to remember that, that kids, they do pick up what we say. They do pick up our attitudes more than they think we do. I think sometimes we also assume our kids uh, are picking things up from us that maybe we're not really broadcasting to them. Like all my kids know that that's wrong to treat people poorly, but still take the time to say that to your kids. Sit down and have the conversation. Right. My, and, my parents might have said that, but right. I caught moments where that wasn't the case. Yeah. And and so we we have to as parents, I think that's one way, one way, not the only way that we have to guard against mm -hmm. this. Yeah, make sure that what you're broadcasting to them and what you're saying to them match as often as possible. You know, we're not perfect. I found that when I make a mistake, the best thing I can do is is call myself out on it. You know, and even tell my kids, "Look, here's how we're trying to live. I haven't lived up to that in this case." And I'm trying to do better. So, and teach them to do that. You know, we're not going to be perfect, but yeah, we absolutely need to be bringing our kids up into a better way of seeing the world. Um, yeah. And in all things, it should be a biblical lens that we're teaching them to look through. And, and this is no different than that. And and maybe even this, just because we do rank, uh, and, and, and I'm thinking more not in terms of race, uh, maybe social or economic standing, we, we probably rank people in mm. some way in our minds our mindset should always be willing to reach down to what we perceive to be down 
uh, and serve people and be kind to people. And, and those things go a long way. They treat a whole, it trains a whole outlook and perspective on individuals. And yeah. that should be undergirded by our, our biblical framework, right? Yeah. That we believe individuals are made in the image of God, that they have value and worth because of that. Right. Uh, and that should guide our treatment of people. Right. And that, and that reaching down is not, I mean, we're not talking about reaching to those who are beneath us. It's reaching down to those who are hurting and, and who've been brought low by frustration and anger and suffering. And, and we want to lift them up to Christ. Right. In humility, Paul says, consider others better than yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So, so if we, if we view it that way, uh, view others as better. And, and maybe some of this comes with an inflated view of self, not just a deflated view of others. Right. right. So we have one more point and 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 these last two that we had were the ones that we thought sounded the most cliche mm-hmm. but we also thought that they sounded the most true for what we can do and the fourth thing that we can do is pray it, it seems simple matt but why is that such an important part of the solution well because anything we try to do is limited by our own ability our own power our own influence when we pray, we're asking God to step in, um, and he has no limits on any of that. He can do anything. I think there's been a bad uh, perception of prayer. People equate saying, oh, well, I've, I'll pray for you as being sort of a cop-out. You know, well, why don't you do something useful? You know, your prayers aren't useful. It's the most useful thing we can do. You know, I don't think that we should pray and then sit on our hands and not try to affect some sort of change, but we absolutely should be praying, and we shouldn't be under any illusions that anything we do on our own steam is going to outpace what we can accomplish if we're praying as the church about this issue. And I've been thinking a lot about this. What specifically are we to be praying about? And I think there's a lot of things. Obviously, our ultimate goal, or at least one end that we have in mind, is any injustice, any opposition to somebody based on outward appearance or race, mm-hmm. that, that that be done away with. Yeah. That's part of it, but but unity in a, as a, as a nation. I've never seen our country so divided. Yeah, and, and and to such a polarized extent, it almost seems sometimes as if you can't find any common ground with someone who's on the opposite side of some of these divides that we're experiencing. A, a lot of reactionary conclusions that are just like swinging the pendulum, right? Yeah. You know. And I think maybe maybe the first step to finding that common ground is going to be stopping for a second and thinking and realizing that no matter how far apart our positions are, most people are not out to cause destruction and mayhem because they just want to be wicked or, or, or nasty. Most people do what they do because they think it's what's best. You know, everybody's doing what they think is best for the country, what they think is best for humanity. We may disagree with their assessment of what is best. But at least we can give them the credit for trying to do something that they perceive as being good. Right. You know, if we could stop demonizing everyone who thinks differently than us, we could have these conversations with more people. And I and I think that we can pray about that, about having that sort of insight, about having that sort of patience with people, and that people by and large would would not be so inflamed that they can't have a conversation. Right. And and praying for our own hearts mm-hmm. uh to be in line with scripture. For us to view people through a biblical lens, yeah. For us to treat people the right way and have opportunities to love people, uh, praying for those opportunities, those are prayers that God answers. Yeah, and and I think praying for our leaders obviously is a big one. You know, 
it's very easy to fall into bashing politicians. I have a, a handful that that I like to rant about in, in private. And rather than doing that, I ought to be praying more for those people. Absolutely. Um, because obviously we want them to be saved. We want them to come to Christ. And I mean, what, what serves us better for, for one of these people to go down in flames or for them to be converted to Christ and become a godly leader for the country? That That is much more productive. Um, and I think that we ought to be praying for them to make godly decisions. And also remember that, you know, at various times in, in, in the Bible, there were non-Christian or non-God-fearing leaders that God used. They made, they made decisions that were good for the kingdom. And so, you know, sometimes these leaders aren't going to become Christians, but we can still pray for God to work through them, to help them to make the kinds of decisions that help the kingdom along um, and that stabilize the country. And, and I think that's where the focus is for us as Christians. We have a broader perspective. Certainly, we're concerned about our country, mm-hmm. our communities. We should be. But even more than that, we want to have a kingdom mindset. As we try to filter this through a kingdom perspective, and I, I don't see that what we're experiencing now, the division, the tension, the anger, the animosity, this isn't good for the kingdom of God. Right. And I, I think it even circles back to something we, we were talking about before, about being educated about events. It's very frustrating. We feel like we can't trust any of the news networks. They're all slanted. There's so much information that is so drastically different about a single event that it's hard to sort through that. And so it's very tempting, I think, sometimes to become sort of fed up with the world as Christians and, and almost shelter ourselves from it and turn off the news and we're not going to pay attention to any of that stuff. And I just wonder... How many situations in the in the world or this country are going on that are devoid of being prayed over because we as Christians right. are willfully ignorant about about what's happening out there? And and that and that is a uniquely Christian position mm-hmm. where the other the other points that we've made would apply to any person, yeah. regardless of their religious background. Yeah. This is a specifically Christian, uniquely Christian perspective. That we really believe that as we approach the throne of God in prayer, mm-hmm. that something happens, that God steps into the affairs of man, that he's concerned about our things going on, and he's concerned about individuals. So I, I think that prayer ought to be not just a token conclusion, mm-hmm. but a, a, a real means to accomplish the end that we Seek. Yeah. And I think another thing maybe to pray for is instead of just sort of bemoaning the chaos that's going on, look back in history and see that these times of upset and, and chaos have often preceded a revival in the church. Um, we can use this as an opportunity. People are hurting. People are looking for some stability, some hope, something good to come out of, of, of all this suffering. We can offer the gospel as that. Hope. Absolutely. The gospel for all people. And if we get this wrong, though, yeah, we could have it could have the opposite effect. Sure, yeah. It, it, there's every every opportunity for the church to come out of this being a villain. Uh, there are plenty of people who are more than happy to see that happen, and, and we'll work toward that. And so we can't simply remove ourselves from from the situation. We can't be oblivious to it. We can't shut our eyes and ears. We have to be informed, you know, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. We should be, we know what's going on in the world without getting embroiled and dragged down into it. Um, and we should be lifting people up in prayer and, and lifting the situation up in prayer to God. Absolutely, Matt. Well, so to to kind of sum this up, the four things that we think that people can do mm-hmm. 
They can be slow to speak and quick to listen. We can empathize with those that are oppressed or suffering. Mm -hmm. We can treat people kindly. And lastly, but not least, we can be people of prayer. Absolutely. And I I think these are an excellent place to start uh, making a good change in the world as the church. And it's also an excellent place for you to start your own conversations about this. Those aren't the only solutions. They are not. And, and we're hoping that, that these conversations will continue to develop, that this will be, again, like a springboard, a starting point, so that we can start talking about this together. Um, and again, as we're always seeking that better position, uh, we would never presume that this conversation is the end-all, be-all. It's just the best we can do in this moment. And we're going to continue to try to develop these ideas and and study and pray and and try to find a better solution to this. And on this issue, like so many other issues, we are, we're trying to Mm. interpret it. We want to be like the sons of Issachar who understood the times. We want to get this right. Uh, We don't have the room to be wrong about how we treat other people. We want to understand the times. We want to view it the right way. We want to respond the right way. And we want to be a part of the solution Mm -hmm. uh, because in the end, we see any mistreatment, any injustice as a hindrance, an obstacle to the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are so thankful that you have tuned in for the first episode of the View from the Mountain podcast. We ask that you continue to pay attention as we drop more podcasts. Two times a month, we will post a podcast. Again, we ask if you do us a favor that you click subscribe, that you, if you found this beneficial, that you might share this with your friends on social media or wherever else that might be the case. And we're so thankful that you took the time to listen. And we are looking forward to being back in just a couple weeks on the View from the Mount podcast. Absolutely. And again, you can find these on lakemountchurchofchrist.org. And if you enjoyed the show, you can always tune into some of our sermons. Uh, We're going to have some online classes on there. There's lots of resources that you can check out. So that's lakemountchurchofchrist.org. And we hope that you'll come and check us out. Thank you so much for listening. (laughs) 